Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, John, I guess summer's back. You know, for a couple days there, I thought we were just going to skip summer and go straight to fall. I was. We had a cool, kind of what, excited two, about that. Two or three days. We did. The I mean, at night. it I just mean, felt like fall, and I was like, "Wow, like we're here." Weather. You know, yeah. I mean, it's time for football. Speaking of football, I hope it goes off this year. I know it's uh, it's questionable. I, I'm not even sure it's fifty fifty right now. But. I'm I'm a little worried about college football. We, if we miss our season, that would be. That would be terrible. Yeah, I'm not so sure. <laughs> I'd be too disappointed. But uh, but we do have golf. I mean, that was we, a great tournament last weekend. It, it really was, you know. And they got the Heritage coming up. I mean, the Heritage right now going yeah, on right now. Down it's Hilton uh, Head, down to Hilton Head. And uh, yeah, I mean, golf was surprisingly just about as good as it was with fans. Yeah, I mean, you yeah, know, some of I, the roars maybe, but. Um, and I think financially, fortunately, golf is kind of set up to where you don't necessarily have to have fans for it to be financially viable. Right. Not so sure about football. Yeah, I agree. I don't think football is going to make it without, uh, we still without have, the gate fees. still have Korean baseball, too, don't forget. That's true. Don't forget. I but anyway, I mean, speaking <laughs> of, uh, you know, enough with sports now. I mean, we got some great topics to talk about here. I mean, we're going to talk about, we're going to give kind of an update on the COVID recovery for the markets. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of financial news coming out. Um, some of it good, some of it bad, of course. Um, but the market continues to kind of hang in there and, and make progress. And so, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about the reasons why. And then we're going to go to a fun article about why your kids don't need an allowance. Don't don't just give them money. Wow, man, you're, gonna be, you're a Scrooge, aren't you? No, You're going to be no. so mean. Tie it. Think about your little grandkids, their future grandkids, yeah. and all of that. I mean, I'm, you're not going to give them an allowance? Commission. <laughs> They're going to get some money if they hey, work, I'm, you know? I'm with you. We <laughs> always gave our kids, they had to earn money. It was yeah. earned money. There was no no free lunch at our house. kind of so. teaches them the, the work, you know, pay relationship, and it's, a know, it's good. It's a great topic, because yeah. you do have to teach kids really, really early and they learn. I mean, they're like little sponges, just like you're saying here in the article. I mean, they they really do learn early. So you gotta you gotta set the right example. That's a great topic. Look forward to that. Um, you know, by the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 25 years experience in providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm a Dave Ramsey certified counselor. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 28 years. We're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. You can listen to the uh, podcast from your computer. You can also uh, link in to, uh, we have hundreds of uh, uh, podcasts now. Gosh, we've been doing this type of show since 2011. Remember, we celebrated Elv- Elvis's birthday in January yep, yep, back in 2011. Yep. So uh, a lot of, lot of shows out there on a lot of different topics. Long um, time. Yeah, it has been. Gosh, we're coming up on 10-year anniversary. Yeah, it's amazing yeah. how time flies when you're having fun. A lot of know? stuff. We also have a Facebook page. We put a uh, prescription of the week. Sarah's last last week was fantastic. I mean, that the yeah, there was. T-Rex. If you really haven't good. seen it, go check it out. That's right. We have good good uh, prescriptions out there. And uh, and send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. You can link to us off the website and uh, send those to us, and we'll talk about them on, on the show here like we're getting ready to do getting ready to do uh, shortly. But we're going to start off here, John, with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, so uh, the low of the market was March the 23rd. That was the very, very bottom. Yep. Um, and the S&P 500 is up 40% 
since the low of the market through and that's uh, through six through June the sixteenth. So. Uh, wow, what an amazing recovery. It is. And, you know, I hate to say I told you so, but, you know, <laughs> I did. I, I think we talked about it here on the show. I mean, the stats are pretty consistent. When you look at major bear markets, those first three months are normally huge for the recovery from the bottom. Now, granted, you know, you are you are down a lot, so it takes more than a 37% gain to get back to 100% typically. Um, because you're starting with a lot less money from the bottom. But having said that, those first three months are critical. You cannot miss those first three months. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's been a big recovery. Yeah, and, you know, we did rebalancing back in uh, in March for most of our clients. So the number of shares that actually we purchased uh, increased during that month, and we got them on sale. Absolutely. Signific- significantly on sale. And historically, that's been a great way to build wealth. So, you know, it's um, you got to have a process. Basically, is what it boils down to. Because the craziness of the market, no one can predict it. You got to have a process in place to uh, to get you through it. Yeah, that's right. It really is huge. You know, the rebalancing part of the picture. And uh, this year worked very, very well because markets were way down in March. And um, so, anyway, I mean, markets are moving on. Hopefully, they'll continue. But you know, speaking of which, I mean, we're going to talk about the recovery here a little bit and kind of how things have been going because. Johnny, markets have been very turbulent over the past month, particularly, um, you know, and the rally has has been showing some cracks these past couple of weeks as investors are kind of worried about a possible resurgence of infections that could push governments to kind of, you know, reinstate lockdown measures and slow the, the to, to slow the spread of the virus. Hopefully that won't happen. I, I don't really see that happening, either. you know, but it is it is disconcerting to see. You know, the infections going up in South Carolina and Georgia and a few other states. But I will say the the death, uh, the rate of deaths is is lowering dramatically. Yes, the trend it's been is huge. Amazing. There's some it's medicine been... out there that's come into play that's helping. I hope so. I don't really know the reasons for that. I haven't found any concrete reasons, but you're right. The death rate has gone way down. There is a steroid that is being used that's been documented. It came out within the last you know day or two. Well, I know there's one, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. There's one in, in Europe that's being used, but but maybe there's something, here. Yeah. something else here. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. I'd like to hear about that. That's great. But yeah, I mean, um, you know, fortunately, there's some good news. As you just alluded to, I mean, and investors seem to be taking their cues from a few of these good news metrics out there, which don't include politics and they don't include the protest. Um, You know, so I mean, one key factor for the markets right now is the economic data, which gives some indication of how deep this recession has been and how it's recovering. And this week, there were several new pieces of data that have been emerging um, but one such piece of news was retail sales. It jumped 17 percent in May, um, more than double what economists were expecting. And that's the key. You know, that's really the economists were expecting like half that. So, I mean, it follows um, early reports that the U.S. job market unexpectedly strengthened last month and kind of gives more credence to investors' expectations that the worst this downturn may indeed be behind us. Yeah, and the U.S. economy, uh, the steep slide appears to be leveling off um, amid signs that maybe layoffs are easing somewhat. Uh, the unemployment rate's still high in May at 13.3, but it fell from 147 
percent in April, and that's according to the uh, Labor Department data that came out last week. And the the latest sign that the economic decline may be bottoming out um, came as the government reported 1.9 million Americans had applied for unemployment insurance during the last week of May. And uh, certainly that's a painfully high number, but it was the lowest since the uh, coronavirus started spreading um, back in March. So uh, we see travel picking up some, um, and Americans are certainly eating out again, right? So we see there was yeah. a lot of pent-up demand, and I think the stimulus checks also helped significantly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's definitely been some economic activity out there, and that is helping um, the economy. Yeah, the jobs data, um, you know, follows some, some modest signs that the economy may be inching toward the beginnings of a recovery you know, as as things reopen, because the mortgage applications have surged in recent weeks, you know, amid record low interest rates, um, the consumption of oil and petroleum products is starting to rise again. Um, and the number of travelers at airports, as measured by the TSA's pre-check numbers, has begun increasing in recent weeks. It's nowhere close to where it was back, you know, three months ago, but, but still, you know, it, it's gotten, it's, it's, it's more than double, I think, in mm-hmm. just, just a month here, um, the TSA numbers since it back at the April lows. So, and even restaurant reservations have inched up, you know, so, I mean, this COVID recession will go down as the shortest and arguably the most severe in history, according to economists at Moody Analytics. Um, and they said that the recession was, you know, caused by the pandemic is likely to be over um, almost as abruptly as it started. And they point out that, you know, private payrolls declined 2.7 or 2.7 million people in May, um, according to a report released Wednesday um, by ADP. And that was far below analyst expectations. So, um, you know, things are looking better. And new data from the Census Bureau um, weekly report also shows that small business businesses are starting to get back on their feet as well. In the week following May 30th, about three in five small businesses reported revenue um, above $15,000. And that's a massive reversal from a month earlier when 60% of businesses reported little or no revenue just a month ago. Um, other signs of a turning point are that, that only about a quarter of businesses closed locations this past week, and that was down, or had locations closed. That was down substantially from a month earlier, and businesses are reporting fewer supply chain problems and missed loan payments as well. So, uh, you know, another sign um, is that, that um, we're having markets worldwide um, are, are going up as well, not just here in the U.S. Researchers in England said that they have f- first evidence that a drug, um, you know, can improve the survival rate of COVID-19 by up to 35%. And it's a drug that's cheaply, cheap and widely available. Yeah, I think that's the one that I was referring to. It's okay. De- dexamethasone. It's yeah, a, I think um, that's right. Gosh, yeah. man, it's been around for like 60 or 70 years and it's very inexpensive and it's widely used and um, it's, it's being effective. It's being used everywhere around the country now. Is it so, here in the U S yeah, I yeah. just I read this article and it's 35%. Yeah. That's a huge, increase. that's a huge survival rate. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's a big improvement. Yeah, no doubt. And the other thing that's really positive, Steve, that we keep seeing is the, the, uh, central bank. I mean, the, the, the government stimulus plan has really helped the economy and, uh, the federal reserve has, um, has helped turn the markets around this week after it said it's going to buy individual corporate bonds. 
uh, as a part of its previously previously announced program to support the lending markets. And you know this extends the Fed's previously announced corporate credit facility, which had uh, until Monday only increased you know some exchange traded funds. But uh, overall, the Federal Reserve has scaled back. Um, on its purchases of the bonds, but uh, a vote of confidence um, that the worst is over is probably why they're scaling back. But they basically said they'll they'll do anything to support the market. And um, if it wasn't for that, it, I think we'd be in a different place. Yeah, the Fed, really the, the, the people don't really give credit to the Fed for what they've done because it's kind of behind the scenes. You don't see it, but there has been a lot going on with the Fed and their credit facilities and what they've done, you know, propping up kind of the bond market. And some of these companies that, you know, were, were facing downgrades, yeah. um, it's now, a big deal. Now, has added to the debt <laughs> significantly. Well, for sure. You know, I mean, government spending, that kind of segues right into my next point. Yeah. And that is, you know, there's been no shortage of government spending. And that that really has helped the economy. Um, and it looks like, you know, the big spending bills and stimulus bills aren't over yet, John. <laughs> I mean, the markets like that news. You know, they, they had a big jump this week on the news that, the Trump administration is preparing a nearly $1 trillion infrastructure proposal as part of the push to spur the U.S. economy back to life. Um, a preliminary version that's been being prepared by the Department of Transportation would reserve most of the money for traditional infrastructure work like roads and bridges, but it would also set aside about, you know, funds for things like 5G wireless infrastructure and rural broadband, um, as he discussed this week. So, um, you know, and an existing U.S. infrastructure law um, is is up for renewal on September 30th. So the administration sees that as a possible vehicle to push through kind of a broader package, people are saying. Um, but the news kind of buoyed the stock market this week. Um, you know, it's particularly companies that are benefiting most from the public spending, like construction and material companies. Yeah, that means they're going to hire people, right? Exactly. I mean, that's a positive yep. thing. So um, the, the draft plan is emerging. Uh, as lawmakers from both parties and uh, and the administration debate the timing and the scope of more stimulus, uh, you know it's the latest sign of momentum in Washington for some kind of infrastructure spending blitz ahead of the election. And House Democrats have their own proposal, five hundred billion dollars uh, over five years, and it's it's really unclear how long the administration's draft would authorize spending or how it would pay for the programs. But you know markets like it when there's additional you know. Uh, funds coming into the economy is what it boils down yeah, to. Yeah, and government spending works. There's no doubt about it. It's a, in the short term, you know, long yeah. term, somebody's got to pay for it, and that's going to be a problem, um, particularly for, you know, the younger generation. You know? yep. Airline flights, as I mentioned, you know, they're picking up too, and that, that does give hope, um, you know, for life and the economy to return back to some kind of normal normalcy. American Airlines announced Thursday – um, an expansion next month as travel demands pick up. And for July, the airline expects to fly 55% of last year's domestic trips, um, up from a mere 20% in May. So, you know, it's a pretty big pickup in just a couple months. So, But Americans are also beginning to eat out again, as we mentioned as well. I mean, restaurant reservations on the online platform Open Table showed more than 30% of its participating restaurants had begun taking bookings as of June 3rd, compared to zero in most of April. None. <laughs> None. <laughs> so, of course, you know, the news isn't all rosy for the country. I mean, for the economy. I mean, the con the manufacturing sector is is a telling example of just how modest any rebound has been so far 
um, industry experienced its worst contraction in April since the Great Recession. The Purchasing Manager's Index was at 41.5 in April, which signals a deep contraction. In May, the index rose to 43.1. It's an improvement, but it's still far below the 50 mark that's considered a healthy and expand, expanding economy. Yeah, and there's still contradictions uh, are apparent in the job market data. Um, you know, new jobless claims are trending lower, but even so, um, so much of the economy is still reopening, but there's still 2 million people that file new applications for unemployment in May. And it's a sign things are not necessarily getting as worse as they were before. Uh, you know, we've seen a reduction in the pace of people becoming jobless, so that's positive, but we're still seeing claims at a level never seen before this crisis and the Great Recession. And, you know, I do think, um, you know, the the medical piece of this, every day that we go by, there's more information that's known. Right. And, uh, you know, there will be, um, continue to be progress on that front. So I think that's going to be a big piece of the puzzle. No doubt. I mean, we do have to solve the virus problem before we can really solve the economy problem. That part of it is true. There are things you can do, which we are doing, that are helping. Um, and I think opening up is a huge step. But nonetheless, you know, we, the medical piece has got to come together as well, which it is, which it is. But, yeah, job postings tell a similar story, John. I mean, the number of jobs posted on Indeed's site in May was 5% higher than April, but those numbers are still 34% lower than the end of May at the same time last year. And that's a pretty staggering drop, you know. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, I mean, at most, it's it's a, it's a partial rebound. So postings are growing at a rate that are far slower than we saw last year. And I think it's worthwhile, you know, celebrating that pace of, of things getting the things getting worse has slowed down, but there are still a fair amount of folks out there losing jobs and people that aren't hiring back yet. So, you know, it's a mixed message out there, but we do see that the economy is improving, and that's the good news, you know, and it seems to be recovering faster than many analysts had expected. And it's also great news that the stock market appears to be on track for some form of quicker recovery than was expected, albeit with plenty of volatility. But regardless of how things proceed from here, you know, I think it's safe to say we are in much better shape at this point than we predicted two months ago. Mm, no doubt. So we can we can celebrate that and take heart and, um, you know, just stay in there and be patient. It, it's it's recovering, but it's going to be slow. Yeah, I agree. There you go. All right. Well, that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yes, this question is about single stocks. Um, and the question is, is, should I keep a single stock I have in my portfolio if it's done well? Over the past few years, and I mean, gosh, who knows? I mean, you know, we, we yeah. generally believe in mutual funds. A rule of thumb That's is right. don't have more than 10% of your investments in a single stock. I mean, if it's done well, um, you know, things come back to the mean typically. Right, so maybe right. take some profits and go diversify it. Yeah, I mean, I think any single stock, if you have a substantial holding of it, I think your your goal should be to diversify it over time, you know? So... You know, my mindset, whenever I see somebody with a huge holding of a single stock that maybe it was an employer stock they had, um, is to start looking for an exit point, yeah. you know, and start looking for a place where you can diversify it. Obviously, you want to pick a point to where it's, you know, it's not on, it hasn't dropped dramatically from where it's been. Um, so I'd look at the 52-week, you know, moving average. I'd look at where it's been, the highs and lows over, over the last year. And I'd pick something in the top, you know, 70, 80 percent of that range and start looking for a place, you know, to um, 
to, to exit. But um, yeah, and if it's in a uh, like a brokerage account, you may consider gifting it, right? If there's exactly. a big gain on there, you could gift that away, and uh, that could be your contribution for the year, and not have to pay any taxes on it. That's the other piece. Is you know, it depends on where the stock resides, but uh, gifting may be an option. As yeah, well. absolutely. But great question there, and that leads up here to our next topic, and that is, um, do your kids need an allowance? Ramsey says no. No, no allowance. Man, that's that's mean. Yeah, but he likes commissions, and we agree with him. Yeah, there you that. go. Yeah, they can earn. I told my kids when they were coming up, you know, you can earn all the money you want. I will I will find jobs for you if you want to work, but you got to earn it. You're going to get nothing free other than dinner. Yeah, you know, good. Make them work, man. <laughs> that's right. Make them earn their keep. That's right. So, uh, But kids are like little sponges. I mean, they absorb everything around them, especially the things that parents are intentional about teaching them. So... Uh, but here's here's the thing. Many parents today are so centered on what their kids want um, versus what their kids really need. So they lose perspective on that. And what the kids need um, and what kids need more than stuff, what will benefit them over their lives is to understand really the value of hard work. So that's that's the piece that sometimes we miss as parents. And uh, teaching a kid to work is not for our benefit as parents, it's to teach them uh, to give them dignity and a job well done and the tools and the character to win as adults. And they may not like it now. They may complain some, but someday they'll they'll thank you, <laughs> maybe, um, you know, as they get older. So yep. and here's the best part. You know, hard work is an antidote to entitlement and key to learning the value of a dollar. And then you can then teach them some lessons about what to do with that money. Yeah, I think this lesson is very critical for, for kids, you know, and you know, what we know as adults, we learned as children, you know, and your kids are going to be no different. I mean, the worst thing a parent can do is to become, you know, the human ATM machine, you know, handing out cash when little Timmy wants to buy something. Um, and, you know, what parent likes, what parent likes that anyway? I mean, what parent likes to give their kids, you know, money, you know, just and have them continue to ask for money? Um, but you know, that's kind of the idea behind the traditional allowance. You know, you give your kids money, whether they've earned it or not. And even the word allowance implies that it's an entitlement, you know, to a certain amount of money for just living and breathing. Um, so, Hey, I mean, we're not saying you should be a Scrooge, you know, an occasional surprise gift, of course is fine. I mean, every parent, parent likes to bless their child with, you know, a, a present or some, some, a surprise occasionally, but, you know, making an allowance as a general rule doesn't teach them anything except that mom and dad will buy you everything you want without you having to lift a finger. And, you know, asking, 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 asking is the way to get things. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's fine when they're two, maybe, but it's not fine when they're 32. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what they learn as kids will stick to them with them in adulthood. So you got to have a different plan. Yeah, and so the commission process is is uh, works pretty well. I mean, there's a way to teach kids that money comes from work, and you can start when they're as young as three or four. Um, and uh, it's the commission system, and it's actually pretty easy to do. So once your children are old enough to do basic chores, uh, they're old enough to earn you know a little money for doing them. So if they work, they get paid, and if they don't work, they don't get paid. And you know if they can understand that money comes from work at age four. Uh, they'll be ready to hit the the real world, you know, at 24 when they graduate from college or maybe high school and going into uh, their career field. So keep in mind that commission chores should be separate from family chores. Um, you know, some things they should just do because they're part of the family, like maybe putting dishes up, 
right? Uh, putting them in the dishwasher. Maybe yep. there's some other <clears throat> things that your family says, nope, you're, this is, you're doing this. I'm not paying you to do this, brush your teeth, things like that. But uh, you got to figure out what's going to work for your family and um, put them to work. And it doesn't have to be perfect when they do it, when they're four years old and you tell them to pick up their toys. Well, um, you know, they're going to probably miss some and not put them back in the right place. So it's more about the concept of it. Yeah, exactly. So, so how do you start your kids on commission or earnings? I like the word earnings probably more than, than commission. Commission kind of implies you're selling something to me, but anyway, the word they use commission here, but the first, I mean, you keep the jobs and the pay age appropriate. You know, for example, I mean, maybe pay your three-year-old a quarter if they put away their toys or 50 cents if they make their bed. But, you know, don't worry about the quality at this point. You know, just make a big deal about completing the job. Um, you know, maybe do a little cheer, you know, pay them immediately. Give them immediate gratification. Um, children really respond to that. They don't do very well with you know, thinking they're going to be paid in two weeks. So you probably have to do this immediately. Yeah, and probably put it in a jar too. You know, something's visible. You can visible. shake around and hear yep. it. Yep, yep. You know? And start maybe relating that to the next toy they want to buy or whatever it is they're going to use it for. And, and you know, how they use that money down the road is another story mm-hmm. that I think is also important, you know, about splitting it out, maybe giving some back, you know, to, you know, church and, and, and et cetera. But, that's a different story, but yeah, making it visible, I think, you know, is key. But yeah, I mean, um, you know, then make the connection between working and getting paid. I mean, young kids, they're going to jump on board with new things quicker than you may realize. So try it and, and see if they don't love it. I mean, because they probably will. I mean, they're going to like the idea of kind of being in control. You're putting control in their hands where they can earn money by doing stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have to wait on their their allowance once a week. So, you know, I think they're going to like it. And on the other hand, you know, let's say you have a 10-year-old. You give them more responsibility and independence to succeed or fail. Maybe assign them a list of chores they need to complete throughout the week, like feeding the dog, washing the dishes, or taking out the trash. And at the end of the week, you know, add up how much they've earned based on the jobs they've actually completed and then pay out that amount. Um, Yeah, I really like that because it makes a connection between, you know, taking responsibility, doing things and 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 being a self starter and having some motivation to yeah. do it yourself some yes. accountability and the control too because the more you do the more you're going to get paid so there's right. I so like you, that piece so you can kind of ramp this up the older they get yeah no doubt no doubt and so in proverbs 22:6 it says train up a child in the way they should go and when they're old they will not depart from it so you know think about starting your kids on a commission at a young age uh, they're off to a great start earning some money um, which you can then help them teach some other lessons as well. And that work ethic will stick with them uh, into adulthood. So uh, great, great topic of um, commissions and what to do, what not to do. Some things that, uh, you know, we see that are successful out there. Yeah, I think that's vitally important that you teach them, you know, and, and we, we did that. We had a list. I had a list with my kids of all the chores they could do yep. and kind of an assigned a value to each of those. And said, so basically, you can do yeah. all these, man. You got this whole list, yeah. you know, go to it. We did too. You know, and they, they didn't do very many of those. They didn't really want, need money that much when they were kids. Yeah. But they did some, you know, and when they wanted money, they knew how to get it. We still so, have the chart up when they come home for Christmas. We kind of show it to them. We've had to raise yeah. the, you know, the. Raise the amount. Yeah, a little bit. Still and, try to get them to go yeah, that's right. blow off the driveway go, or whatever. Cut, cut the grass or cut whatever. Gra- so. <laughs> I like it. 
That's great. All right. Good, good topic. And that leads up to our final thing, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah. So, you know, it's really interesting going through this uh, COVID uh, market that we've been through and uh, really started to feel it in in February. March was obviously a horrible month, and, and no one predicted um, this downturn, and no one certainly predicted the recovery. And and so, you know, no one knows where the market's going to go. But if you look back at history, um, staying invested has been the right answer over time, right? We, we can't tell you when the markets are going to come back up, but if you can do the, the adding the shares thing that we talk about, you know, if you're building wealth, you know, putting yep. money in, uh, doing some rebalancing, you've got dividend reinvestment. That's if, right. If you're in retirement, um, leave your stock shares alone and just go pull it from the bond side of it. So fixed um, income, yeah. yeah, the fixed income, right. So, um, there's, you know, that's a process in place that we talk about, but, Man, what a what an increase! Forty percent from uh, the twenty third is uh, quite a jump that no one predicted. I've read articles about some of these, you know, uh, high profile money managers, and they everybody missed it. Yeah, <laughs> except nobody for, except for the people that stayed invested. That's right. That's right. Yeah, nobody predicted really that magnitude, you know, of recovery that quickly. The 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 quintessential V shaped recovery. Yeah. Um, you know, there was, I didn't hear anybody really predicting no. that was going to happen. And, uh, you know, kind of here we are, it's not a total recovery, but no, still it's, it's not, a, it's, it's a big, it's a big jump. And, um, so that's the reason why you can't time it. You cannot time it. And, um, yeah, it's been huge. If you're rebalanced, you got a big dividend from that. Yeah. Um, it's... because those shares that you bought back in March now are, are 40% higher than they were you know, almost 40% higher than they were back in March. So that's quite a, that's quite a gain for, you know, for, uh, the part that you rebalanced, um, in just, just three months. Yeah. It's a, it's a big deal. We've looked back at some of the share totals that, that have been added to clients accounts and it's been very impressive, you know, and there's multiple reasons why it increased, but, uh, so the good news is you don't need to time the market. Yeah. You don't have to try to predict these things. All you have to do is diversify, stay invested and then rebalance and have a good discipline strategy like that. And you, you do recover from these markets, these downturns over time. So, all right, good prescription of the week. And that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net, and link to us there. Email us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. You can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706 739 0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.